Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman and Associates. Now, here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thanks so much for joining me this week. My motivational quote for today is actually from a Chinese fortune cookie, and it says, Life is a verb. Have you stood at the crossroads with no idea which route to take? Have you ever felt lost? If you could recreate yourself, what choices would you make? Throughout your life, there are so many opportunities to find your joy. Unfortunately, I think sometimes it takes a traumatic experience to set the wheels of fate into motion. Today, my guest is Jeanette Falotico. Jeanette is a, a widowed mother of triplets who has been able to create a new journey for herself after the painful loss of her husband. Her new direction inspires others to look at their lives differently and to see the clouds from both sides. Thank you, Joni Mitchell, for your song. Good things happen, bad things happen, but how you react, adapt, grow, and live is really up to you. And it's a powerful message that out of a great tragedy or even just a bad day, joy is still abundant. In her blog, The Art of Living Lost, Jeanette reveals how her experience helped her discover her true inner strength, appreciating that the best thing about being lost is the joy you discover on the way to your destination. So, Jeanette, thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Connie, for inviting me. Oh, I just, I'm, you know, I'm just so excited um, to talk about your blog and your journey that you have just created, um, you know, since your husband has passed. And I, I think everybody will learn a thing or two on how to really move from tragedy and find those opportunities and joy in life. And, and you really define that. Um, and I hope everybody goes and reads your blog. Well written and just a beautiful job. So my first question is, in the blog, The Art of Living Lost, that's what it's called, why did you start writing it? What was the, the preempt to that? So about a year ago, I mentioned to a friend that I felt lost. You know, I was at odds with work. Things with my friends and family just didn't really fit. Everywhere I went as a widowed mother of triplets, I sort of felt like I was on display. And he jokingly hmm. said to me, are you sure that they're not looking at your hair because I've got this big, crazy, you know, head of hair? And I started to laugh, and I realized that, you know, it was probably, you know, more than that. So as I was talking to a girlfriend, she said to me, well, what do you think, why do you think people are really staring at you? And ironically, it was my answer that sort of changed my life, because I realized that people weren't necessarily staring at this big, crazy hair. Instead, they were looking at me, and they were thinking to themselves, oh my gosh, that poor woman with all those kids, she lost her husband. And I realized that I was inspiring gratitude in people because while they were feeling sorry for me, they were looking hmm. at their spouses, their children, and they were saying, oh, thank goodness my family is intact. And that really just sort of set me on this journey of, you know, how to inspire people to sort of think differently about their lives. You know, that is really remarkable. So from a question of what do you really think they're looking at and taking the time, and in and, and other shows I've talked about asking yourself questions to try to uncover what the next step is, what you want to do, whatever it is. And here, a simple question of what do you think they're really looking at. And I just have to comment here that you're, you, you understood that they were looking at you with, obviously with sympathy because you've had this tragic experience and from that, they saw the gratitude in their life. 
And I, my comment to that is, Jeanette, how many people would have stopped at, oh, see, they're looking at me with sympathy and, you know, I'm pathetic and, and roll or, or spiral down in that negative thought process of the woe is me instead of really looking one step beyond at people seeking their own gratitude and that you were the inspiration behind that. Holy crap, that's amazing to me that you had um, yeah. that, yeah, that ability to, to think that extra step because let's face it, you were in despair, you know? So, um, wow, what a important question. But for me, remarkable answer from yourself. And I hope just from that one comment, I hope everybody realizes what a remarkable woman you are. And I'm just so happy that you're on the show because it's inspiring that, you know, Change happens. It happens. How you react to it is really the crucial um, response. I have to ask, how did you choose the name? Because I love it. The Art of Living Lost. Well, and that's a great question. So, you know, the first year after, you know, whether you're widowed or, you know, you're a widower, um, you sort of are wrapped up in this frenetic pace. Um, Bereavement is sort of like a shroud that surrounds you. Um, And you sort of wander through the first year. The second year, um, unfortunately, you know, people tend to tend to fade away a little bit. um, And you start to look at your life and you say, okay, well, I used to be a wife and I'm still a mother. I used to work, you know, full time. I had this entire, you know, life that defined me. Now I was sort of like a table with one leg missing, so I was a little bit wobbly. And I really did sort of wander through this life trying to better define the person that I was going to become. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, these crazy things started to happen that brought me such great joy. The example of, you know, people looking at me. I, you know, I felt such pity, but when I realized that I was, you know, inspiring them to be grateful for their lives, I realized that made me feel happy. So Mm -hmm. in an effort to find things that made me, you know, feel happy about myself, I started to pursue things that I sort of always wanted to do and, um, you know, just have have found such great joy in in doing those different crazy things. Um, And people, you know showed such gratitude that I was able to either share my story that um, it made me feel good and it gave me the energy. So while I still wander around lost, it really is the joy that I discover along the way that I, that I hope to sort of portray in the blog. It's just brilliant, living lost, because how many of us live lost every day? Uh, you know, I often say on the show that I, I feel like I look around sometimes and people get so stuck in their rut that they're like walking zombies and they're just kind of going through life without any self-examination. So the other thing you just said that just spurred a thought for me is that you were you labeled yourself wife, mother, worker, uh, you know, friend, what sister, mother, whatever, what, you know, daughter, whatever it is. And we become those labels where really you got to peel back that onion a little bit and say, but who am I? Who is the person? What do I bring to the table? What do I have to offer the world? Not, you know, of course, your kids, you know, are front, front, front of the line. But what do we have to offer out there? So that the art of living lost, we do all live lost. So I just love that peel back the labels and look at self for a second and what does inspire you, self, what, what makes you happy, um, and then pursue that, that kind of road ahead of you. You know, after losing your husband, what, what were the steps you took 
you know, just I have to tell you, just to wake up every day, man, and live. I know the kids, but what steps did you take to climb out of bed? Well, you know, it's funny because I have this um, little plaque in my bathroom. It says sink or swim. And there were days that I literally looked at it and I had to say to myself out loud, today I choose to swim because I didn't want to get out of bed. You know, I have a cousin who's just been such an amazing support in my life. And she has said to me, listen, you get up, you get dressed, you put those kids on the bus. When they come home from school, you're dressed. She said, what you do in the middle is up to you. And mm-hmm. so I did that for a while. And then I decided that I wanted to take my experience because, you know, I'm a professional woman, and I wanted to try to help other people. So I found an organization um, that I was really able to sort of pay it forward a little bit in teaching these individuals how to use, um, how to use uh, their computer skills. So I was teaching them how to use PowerPoint, how to use Microsoft Word, how to use things like that. And in meeting these individuals, I found that they were so much like me. And I was able then to sort of teach them how to use these different um, computer skills, and they in turn were grateful. Every time I go there, I get a hug and people say, you're amazing. And I love that because I realize that I touch somebody's life just by teaching them how to make, you know, a PowerPoint presentation. And so that's really sort of set me on this path of volunteerism, which I absolutely love because it's been this great form of recovery and self-discovery. And I often say to the different people that I work with, you know, they're so grateful to learn how to use a PC, but I'm like, who saved who, you know, because it's just such a great feeling helping others. Yeah, isn't and you know, form of recovery. Just what do you mean by that? From a, the volunteering, you said it was a form of recovery. What? Just well, what do you mean? Well, you know, we were talking before about labels, and one of the labels that popped into my head, oh gosh, probably within ten minutes after my husband's death, was widow. And it was one of those things I never wanted to be called a widow. I didn't want to be defined as a widow. And every time I pulled away from that word, it sucked me back in. I would meet widows that were so desperately struggling with putting their life together. And I realized that by just being myself, and to be honest, I'm somewhat of a happy, perky person anyway, I was showing them that, hey, you know what? Her husband has passed away, and she still gets out of bed. She still goes to work. She volunteers. She goes out with friends. She, I'm like a crazy, you know, hiker. I'm constantly, you know, doing different things athletically. If she's able to do it, then I can do it too. And that made me feel good. So even though I didn't like the word widow, I realized that it made me the same as others. And in my joy and happiness and how I've sort of, you know, managed, you know, post-death, people were inspired to sort of, you know, be a little bit happy and, you know, it was a great form of recovery for me. You know, so you took this label, widow, and you (laughs) shifted, but you shifted the definition or the thought of what a widow looks like, feels like, sounds like, and became inspirational. That was never your intent to be inspirational. No. Oh your gosh, no. Your 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 survival mode, and yet you are who you are. You have that positive, wonderful energy, quirkiness, all of those things that you're saying. So you took the label and you just shifted what that could mean to others. So that's kind of cool. I have to ask: Did you volunteer a ton before this tragedy? Like, were you out there all the time? 
Well, I do. I come I come from a very um, you know, I come from a volunteering family to begin with. Um but it it was funny because I literally fell into um a group of women that I didn't expect to be like me at all, to, to be honest with you. But sort of the universe being the way it is and fate, um, the first woman I met with was exactly like me, sort of the same age, sort of the same um, situation. And I remember looking up at God and thinking, are you kidding? This is what you give me as the first person? And it was just (laughs) such an amazing experience. And ironically, the individuals that I've met through that specific volunteering experience have gone on to pay it forward. And I got a phone call from a woman a couple of weeks ago, and she said, you know, you were so helpful Um, in introducing me to this organization. I then called a friend who was in a similar situation, and she then found a similar organization in her community. So not only did you save my life, you saved her life too. Now, I don't think of myself as a lifesaver, but I thought to myself, that's the way it's supposed to work. It is supposed to work. You're supposed to try hard, and other people then are supposed to sort of pay it forward. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the the steps to recovery, you know, everybody is certainly different, I, I would I would imagine. Your cousin, though, saying to you, just get out of bed, get dressed so the kids see you living because you don't want to pull them down, right? Because you still had the kids. They were little. They were 11 years old. So, you know, get out of bed, get dressed. And then you found that volunteering kind of filled a little void um, that that kind of ignited you. You were inspiring, but it ignited and inspired you. So I, I like how you said it. It's you know who saved two kind of thing. Exactly, um, and that's yeah. and that's exactly right. Yeah, and and I think everybody has to find that thing. Um, but the bottom line really is what you're saying: put one foot in front of the other. And anyone who's living in a through any type of trauma, it, it doesn't have to be death. It could be a job loss. It, it could be um, it could be death. Whatever. But a major life change, divorce, perhaps. I love that sign, sink or swim, and we should have some kind of visual so that you do wake up every every day and think, no, I have to swim. I can't sink. I have kids. I have obligations. You know, whatever <laughs> yep. situation. But but visual, I think visual cues are really important for our brains to latch onto something to say I'm making a choice mm-hmm. for today only and and you don't even have to look past today just for today so you know moving just putting that one foot in front of the other um cousin very brilliant brilliant person clearly she sure um, is to, yeah to give you that advice wonderful Let, let's take a quick break and when we come back I want to uh, talk about and drill down a little bit what you mean when you say living an adventurous life. Um, Because you're a mom of of triplets, and and all the moms are listening going, you know, she works, she does this, she does How could she be adventurous? So when we come back, I'd like you to just talk a little bit about that to let people know that adventure comes in many shapes and sizes, all right? Excellent. Thank you. All right. Quick break. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change. 
Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back, and we are with Jeanette. And Jeanette, I don't know if I'm saying your name right. Sal Atico? It's it's Salatico. Falatico, I wasn't even close. So just, no worries, no worries. And it's only, on you know, my maiden name was as difficult. So, yes, I, I hear you. I, you know, when I'm Italian, I should get these things. But Falatico. I know, I know. Um, so, <laughs> come on, simplify that name. All right, so Jeanette is um, a widowed mom of three triplets. And she um, says in her blog that she uh, is living an adventurous life. So really define that for us. So um, my children are 14 now. Um, they, you know, entered puberty about a year ago, and um, it's it's sort of funny when that happens. You know, who's off um, at Scouts? Who's reading a book? Who's studying for you know high school entrance exams? Typically, the three of them are going in different directions. So I found myself with a little bit of time on my hands. So when I, you know, thought about what I wanted to write about in the blog, I'm like, I'm going to go out and do things that I always wanted to do. So I was ironically up at a Six Flags um, in the Adirondacks, and I thought it would be fun to be a ghoul. So I did. I came down, I went out to Six Flags in Jackson, and I interviewed, or actually I should say auditioned, for a job as a ghoul. And um, to, to just show you how the lessons come at you. Clearly, I was the oldest person there. Um, and I was the oldest person there by probably 30 years. Wow. Um, and my audition was pretty bad. Um, it was, you know, quite simple. You didn't have to do a ton. Um, but I wasn't particularly good at it. Um, but they took pity on me and offered me a job, and it was just an amazing experience. I got made up. I was dressed as a I, – I had like a whole sort of theme in my mind, and I was dressed as a dead bride. And I hung um, from handcuffs a severed hand from my arm, and they dressed me up, and I looked really scary. And I, by the way, was probably the least frightening ghoul because, of course, I gravitated toward young people, you know. So it was just such a great experience to, you know, to, to be this sort of crazy-looking bride. But the irony in the whole thing is I have this sort of dead hand hanging, and people would say to me, what's the, what's the matter? Where's your husband? Is he dead? And I used to just sit there and think, oh, my gosh, you can't make this stuff up. And, of course, no. you know, that's just the way life is, you know, is that people say things. And, you know, as a ghoul, you don't talk. So I just, like, went, ooh, I don't know. But it was just a great experience. So, so that was what, one of the adventures. Did, all right. I got to ask you, Jeanette. If someone said that to me, because this, how long ago, how long ago did you, were you the ghoul at Great Adventure? Oh, it was, you know, September, October this year. Oh, so, okay. 2015. Okay. So, so it's still a fresh wound. When people yeah. said that, how did you just not run into the back and say, I quit? Because it just isn't about that. It was more like, and, and, and I had no intention when I, I literally wanted something that I could wear that I would be comfortable in. I saw the handcuffs. They were bedazzled. I thought, let me just, oh, and then I had a severed hand in my front yard. I just stuck it on. And it just was, when people say that stuff, that's really sort of what, life is about, you know, rolling with the punches. And yeah. it wasn't even like a punch. It was just like an irony that it was like, well, of course they say that. But you're not yes. going to break character. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to, like, run screaming into the night. Although that probably would have made me a better ghoul if I did run screaming <laughs> into the night. You know, but it just yeah, was, you know. After sweat. Yeah, you know, it was just sort of funny and, you know, lots of, you know, but it was, 
it was an amazing experience, and the individuals I worked with were just lovely people. My boss was, you know, I think she was 20, um, and it just was, it was a lot of fun. I made, I had, I made a friend, I hung out with a nun who was a ghoul, and, you know, we, we were That's partners in tremendous. crime. That's tremendous. That yeah. is tremendous. Um, what other adventurous things? That That's a little crazy. Your kids must have thought that was the coolest stuff. Well, they did. They did. They thought it was. They thought it was great. And it was funny because I would run into people periodically there that I knew, that I recognized, that didn't recognize me. So that part was funny too. Um, so yeah, it was. It was really great. It was. It was a ton of fun. Um, one of the other things that I did was, um, you know, I was I was working on a presentation for for a client, and I stumbled across a quote that said, "Those who suffered." understand suffering and therefore extend their hand. And I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, that's how I am. I've Mm -hmm. sort of suffered and endured the loss of my husband and the rebuilding of my family, and I did that. I extended my hand to other individuals who are in the same position. And I felt like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm normal. Like, this is okay. What I'm doing is right. So I'm like, well, who wrote that quote? So it turned out that it was Patti Smith. And what was great about it was that I, sadly, I'm such a geek, I've never heard of Patti Smith. I, in my mind, couldn't figure out if she was Patti Scalfa. Um, so I was just sort of confused as to who she is. But um, she just was an amazing, and still is, um, an amazing painter. She's a poet, she's an author, a singer. And she released um, you know, a song called Because the Night that she wrote with Bruce Springsteen. So cool. I had to meet her. And so I traveled up to a show that she was doing. She had just written a book, and she was on tour. So I traveled up to Portsmouth, um, New Hampshire, and I just was going to go in, sit through a show, and then, you know, introduce myself to her and just let her know that what she said just so inspired me. So she inspired me. I'm in turn inspiring other people. Um, so I went up to the show, and it was amazing. Um, it, she's just an amazing, such an amazing individual, such a, uh, such a crazy woman and um i didn't get to meet her and that was that was so fine because it was such a life-changing night that i was afraid if i met her maybe she wasn't going to be as great in person um but she also has suffered loss in her life and to just Mm -hmm. see how she takes her own experiences and pays it forward like i said inspirational yeah, and, and, you know, really, you said, who saves who? That's such a, a true statement. And, you know, through that loss, you, you're really living an adventurous life, meeting people in, that are inspiring, and in turn, you're inspiring, and, and, you know, the whole pay it forward thing. Have you always, clearly you, you listen to your intuition. Have you mm-hmm. always listened to your intuition and trust that inner voice? That's, that's a, such a great question. Um, I have a great sense of intuition, but no, I haven't always listened to it. Um, ironically, I left a, a, a book, like a, a diary, in a city cab once. And, of course, you know, I was in Midtown. It went out to Brooklyn. I had to go get it. And I remember when I hopped out of the cab to go into, I was meeting a client at a, at a restaurant, to, that I should look behind me, and I didn't. And then, of course, huh. I wound up having to go to Brooklyn to get this book. But from that time, I, I, I have made a, a purposeful effort to look and listen to my intuition. And I follow it now all of the time. And it's amazing the things that the universe serves up um, to me. And I make a decision to either you know, follow my intuition or, um, or not. 
And, you know, I, I find that people tend to be, you know, very intellectual or very intuitive. And I'm a very intuitive person. And now that I follow my intuition, it's taken me on such great adventures. But I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, that, uh, clearly the ghoul thing. But my, yeah. <laughs> my, my question um, for everybody listening, because I think people say, I want to listen to my intuition. I've had experiences like that where something in my head says, look back, but I'm rushing. So I kind of poo-poo that and move forward, right? I, I put that intuition on ignore. How did you tune into it? Were, was there something that you did when you, when you had, just what did you do to tune into that intuition? I'm curious. You know, I did. I just started to listen to the things that were going on in my life a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I, trying to think of the best way to say it you know things just I you know when I had to make a choice do I want to do something that's adventurous it was like yes I want to do this um, I mm. find that a lot of opportunities are presented to people and they're looking the other way and one of the things that was the worst for me and once I broke this habit I started to sort of manifest all of these great things in my life was I wanted to control my life Okay. Mm. I expected grief to end at this time. I expected, um, you know, my, you know, the people in my life to behave this way, the clients that I was working with to understand this. And the more I stretched and stretched and stretched against what was, you know, I thought Natural. was right for me, the more mm. it slapped me back. So I had to then just sort of say, well, fine, if this is not the way it's going to be, you tell me how it's supposed to be. And goodness, these things were then presented to me. And once they were, I just sort of, you know, became courageous and, you know, followed them. Yeah, courageous. That's definitely a good word to define who you are. Not Again, not to label you, but courageous, I think, is um, movement. For me, that's a, a verb, right? It's, it, it's action <laughs> so yeah. that you have the courage to do, you know, what what your intuition guides you to do and you find these awesome opportunities and, and whatever it is that, like, you feel it's this right, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, intuition, we all have it. We all have that sixth sense. And for those those of the listeners who have children, you know, my kids got to the age where they would go to friends' house where there were little parties and, and what have you, um, where the parents kind of let them go into the finished basement and hang out. But this, so there's no parental supervision right there. I would tell my kids, hey, listen, sometimes you get a gut feeling, intuition, right? You say that gut feeling, something's not right, especially when they were like eighth grade and, and they just went into high school. Just say to whoever the friend is, so you don't embarrass yourself, but just say, you know what, I'm really not feeling well. I just texted my mom to come pick me up. And I always said to them, I will not ask any questions. You just say, I want to come home done. So you don't have to answer why, but you know, you walk into a situation and you think something doesn't feel right, that's your intuition, that's your gut. Always follow your gut. It will never lead you astray. And my kids, not that they've ever had to use that, but I'll tell you, they definitely listen to their guts. They under they understand. They walk away from things and then later on you find out that, oh, so, you know, the cops came or, you know, whatever it is. And my kids chose now I'm going to have the, the guys over and we're going to get a pizza and we're going to play hockey in the driveway versus going to a party or something. So it's just interesting. We need, I think kids, 
can do it easier than us because they're not as programmed as we are yeah. by society. Right? You know what yeah. I'm saying? They're they're still more pure than than we are. We we're kind of contaminated. Um, but that intuition, that gut feeling, listen to it because it really does lead to opportunity. It's hard. It's, I have to tell you though, Jeanette, that's a hard concept for most people. Um, because we do try to control our lives and think I know. intellectually. It's very yeah. difficult. We're, we're trained. But once we're you trained. start to see great things happen, you're like, huh, yeah. wait a minute. And there must be yeah. there might be something behind this, you know. Yeah. And the momentum picks up from that. Yeah. Um, we have three minutes left. So I would like great. for you share with everyone who potentially is living through a tragedy or just in a bad place in life, even if nothing tragic has happened where they're kind of lost or living lost. Um, how do you wake up happy and optimistic every day? What advice would you give? Well, you know, you, you know, you're in the situation you're in. Everybody has their own path that they're that 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 they're on. Um, but it really is just sort of taking, just looking at yourself, looking at your life, and just saying, "This is the life I have to live." What are the things that are in your life that you're grateful for? I mean, clearly the most grateful thing I have I'm I'm grateful the things I'm grateful for are my children my children are great they are smart they're funny they're well behaved Um, they're not perfect but you know we haven't gone done anything too crazy so I just am grateful for everything I'm grateful that I have you know my health and that I have great friends and great family and the other thing is is that I have such faith you know, I talk to people every day, and they look at me, and I'm like, you have to have faith. I can't say how it's going to get better, who's going to come into your life, where the money is going to come from, that you're not going to want to cry every day. You just have to have faith that things get better. And that has just really served me well. I wake up happy every single day, and it's not always been this way. And it's really sort of after the death of my husband that I just had to look at the little things in my life and just be grateful for what, what they brought me. And, you know, just so well said that the sun really does come out tomorrow, right? It, it, it you know, there's a cloudy day, <clears throat> excuse me. And then tomorrow the sun really does come out. Every yeah. season comes whether we want it to or not, right? The winter comes and we have snow, even though you want the sunshine of, you know, 90 degree weather. So everything in our life has a season and, you you really do have to be grateful, and the faith works out. You know, my kids when they're dramatic about a teacher or a test or whatever, and I look at them and I go, "Oh my God, just do your best, study, just study." And if you could walk away and say, "I did my best," you throw it all out there. It's one test. <laughs> like zoom out for a minute. It's one test. It all works out. You know, yep. you're going to get into a college. You're yeah. going to have a good life. You, you know how to work hard. So just zoom out and, you know, have faith that it really does always, it really does always work out. People that do not find the gratitude in the little things of, mm-hmm. you know, when you put your head on my roulette at night, um, Jeanette, is when I put my head on the pillow, the last thing I do, and we were talking before about not sleeping so well, you know, this whole menopause yeah. <laughs> thing for women, not fun um, for us middle-aged women, but when I put my head on the pillow, the last thing I do is I just go through my day and I'm, gra- I'm grateful for it. And sometimes it's as silly as I'm grateful for that cup of coffee this morning. It just really hit the spot, you know. Um, it could be something very simple. It could be the beautiful day. It could be that my kids had me laughing from the pit of my stomach. But it's the little things, the little moments really add up to the big great things in our life and memories. Um, so gratitude and faith, you know, just well said. And everybody can't do that. 
it's easier than we think. I think just wake up, buy a sign, sink or swim. See, to yeah. me, that's such a good visual, simple, simple, stupid sign, sink or swim, and you choose to swim, um, there's your waking up happy, even in the most, most difficult time. Um, just one last question. The kids, how have they been able to acclimate with all of this? Well, you know, kids are resilient, and that mm. is the thing that was probably the most miraculous is um, that – you know, we're already a little bit of a an anomaly in our community in that I'm triplets, you know. So when my husband died, um, you know, it, it just sort of put more focus on us. And what I did was I really just took our community of friends and family and brought them into the, our lives, you know. So they understood that my husband passed away, and it was okay, you know, and my kids were okay. So when my kids, you know, they, you know, they were there were a lot of young people at my husband's wake, um, and it was uh, really an amazing experience. But then when my kids went back to school, everything was normal for them. Yeah, you know? I yeah. mean, they do have moments, um, but that's okay. You know, we all have moments. And, we all have you know, moments. And I talk them through it. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, they've yeah. got friends that understand them and help them. And, you know, so it is um, It is a blessing. It is a yeah, blessing. and... And, you know, friendship, uh, people around us, surrounding mm-hmm. us that can support us, so important to have that, um, whether it's family, friends, whatever, um, instead of isolating yourself, to be out there and gaining that support from the un- most unexpected places, being a ghoul, for example, um, yes. the new friends you met. No, seriously, though, the support you got from that yeah. and, um, you know, the backdrop of silliness is really yep. important. So I, I think that's another thing. When we're in a bad place, we we pull into ourselves instead of becoming vulnerable and going out and, and letting people show kindness and support, and that could be inspiring, and you can be inspiring. And you, like you said, you save each other. Um, Jeanette, thank you so much. Um, what, go ahead, you wanted to say one more thing? Well, I was just going to say, you hit on the lesson that I just learned this month. And as much as I tell this to other people, I don't ever take the advice myself until recently. Mm. It makes people happy to help you. So while I find it very difficult to ask for help, people are thrilled to help me, and it makes them feel good. So um, you, yeah. know, you really got to let those people in. Yeah, let people in. It's it's mm-hmm. uh you know that we're all here for each other, whether we believe yeah. that or not. I, I think that's a, a hard lesson sometimes because we want to be independent and in control, and it's it's not about that. It's it's really showing vulnerability. I, I think is what makes us so awesomely human. You know. Yes, I agree. Yeah, and everybody, if you're interested in hearing more and following uh, Jeanette, certainly uh, go to her website, which of course I'll post on the WebTalkRadio.net uh, platform. It's www. and then the art to living lost, all lowercase. dot com. The art of living lost. dot com. Uh, Jeanette, thank you so much again for being on the show. Thank you, Connie, for the opportunity. Oh, so much fun, so much fun. Uh, And I wish you all the best. You too. I hope you guys will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change, whether it's given to us or not, or you choose it, and realize that change is possible and easier than we often think. Look for the inspiration around you. Uh, Thank you again for joining me. You've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. Thank you, and have a wonderful, inspiring week. 
You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change.